0: Pray and seek your face and turn from my wicked ways and you will heal our land.
1: All right, I'm going to share some things with you today. And let's begin and pray. Lord, this message is a vital message and I pray now that as I begin sharing this on just the radio that your Holy Spirit will come and move in great power I ask Lord that in your glory you would hear the cry of our hearts and that you would meet us I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now we have almost half of the broadcast left, so let's go at it. There is a passage of scripture we need to look at. It's found in Romans, the 10th chapter. Now, we often hear people refer to the Roman road as the tool for helping men and women become followers of Jesus Christ. That is a totally out-of-context use for this passage of Scripture. Now, what we're faced with that's so painful is that the American church has been taught a lie. They've been taught Romans 10 as the road to salvation with a twist And in that twist lies the condition of the church in America that has never been crucified with Christ. Instead, the American church is filled with men and women who have showed some improvement in their life. They have perhaps left behind alcoholism or drug addiction or sex addiction or they have cut off certain kinds of gross sins, and they feel much better about themselves. They're, they're doing better. But the fact is, they've never been born from above. They've never been born again. Now, let me just read this passage to you, and then I want to show you clearly the context for this passage and why we cannot use it as any description of men and women who are not born again, who need to be born again. In Romans, the 10th chapter, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. So the context of this whole passage in Romans 10 is the salvation of the Jewish people. It is not about the salvation of Gentile people. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Many in the Christian church in America are filled with zeal for God, but they're still pagans. They're still caught in the web of their sins, and they've been taught that they can never be free of that web. And because they've been taught that, they believe they're saved in the midst of their sin now if you remember remember the book of genesis adam sinned one time and the wages of that sin was death now they didn't die physically but they did have total separation from God the spirit of God that dwelled in them left them and they were naked and embarrassed zeal for God zeal for religion will not save you listen they did not submit to God's righteousness dikasunate They did not submit to God's cleansing of all sin and making them righteous. They would not submit to that. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. So there is a righteousness, chapter 1 of the book of Romans, that comes from another source other than the law. There is righteousness that comes from another source other than the law. Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. He's saying, don't say those kinds of things. What does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. So the word of faith that Paul is proclaiming is something that is in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Well, who's he talking about? He's talking about people who are already Christians. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. This is not a pagan person. This is a Christian. For there's no difference between Jews and Gentiles. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, so the pagan can call on the name of the Lord and he will be saved. But how is he saved? The devil believes that Jesus is real. So I can say Jesus is Lord, and it means nothing in my inner being. It means nothing necessarily because we as Americans say things very casually and very quickly that that have no meaning. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You can believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and not be in salvation. It's with your heart that you believe and are justified, or it is with your heart that you believe and are made righteous. Made righteous. It's the same word being used here that we used earlier, that is translated as righteousness that is by faith. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Well, I'm not bringing good news if I'm preaching That the blood of Jesus Christ is no more valuable than the blood of bulls and goats. That's not bringing you good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news! I'm going to bring you good news this week, and it's going to be the good news of how you truly enter into salvation. Now, just to continue with the context in which this is found, in this next chapter, and by the way, he didn't write chapters. He wrote a stream. He wrote a book. It says, If some branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You have to be grafted in. What does it mean to graft in? It's certainly more than saying with my mouth, I believe in Jesus. It's certainly more than simply saying, Jesus is Lord. Now, the scripture tells us that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He's not talking about, it's impossible to say the words, Jesus is Lord, You can say Jesus is Lord, but not mean it in your heart and not understand the implications for what it means. And in that case, you can say Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, and it has no power. Part of what we're facing in the American church is we have no power. We're dead. If you consider this, You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, Branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but you were broken off because of unbelief. They were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but be afraid. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. The problem is we're not even... We're not even grafted in. I'm speaking about the church at large. We're not even grafted into Jesus. And that's a problem. We've got to be grafted in. Now, let's continue in chapter 11. Uh, Chapter 12. Chapter 12, he turns his attention. Therefore, in other words, because of all of this that I've just shared with you, what's happened with the Jews, what will happen to you if you're grafted in and you still walk in sin, you'll be cut off. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. In other words, a living martyr, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. In other words, your spiritual act of worship is not to confess that Jesus is Lord, as it talks about here in the 10th chapter, and to say, look, I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. No, you're not. You've forgotten all the things that Romans had to say before this in the earlier chapters. We can't just pick and choose one favorite text and say, okay, I'm going to talk to people about Romans 10, and that's the road to salvation. No, it is not the road to salvation. It is not the road to salvation. We need to look very carefully at this. We need to understand what we're dealing with. I want to share with you a prayer. And the man who wrote this prayer is a very serious Christian whom I respect. But this prayer is all wrong. It is the common sinner's prayer that is used Almost everywhere in the Christian church, in the Western world, as we pass our cheap religion, our cheap Christian faith on to other people. Let me just read it for you and then we're going to reflect on it. Lord Jesus, I want to become a Christian. I know that I am a sinner and I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins I believe that you are the Son of God and that you rose from the dead. I repent of my sins and I open the door of my life and ask you to be my Savior and my Lord. I commit my life to you. Thank you for forgiving all my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be. I will live my life for you. Amen. There are so many false things in this prayer that utterly deceive and destroy any possibility of a person. Walking with Jesus, let me point out a few. I know that I'm a sinner, and I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe that you are the Son of God and that you rose from the dead. All of that is good, isn't it? But now listen, I repent of my sins and I open the door of my life and ask you to be my Savior and Lord. Well, how do you open the door of your life? What's the actual step-by-step process of opening the door of your life that Jesus Christ can be your Savior and your Lord? It's by repentance. It's by repentance. The first and the last word of the gospel is repent. I repent of my sins. You cannot repent of your sins. You must repent of your sin. Specific, itemized sin. If you want to begin to be serious about repenting of your sin, you need to take pencil and paper and you need to write down, itemize every sin you are aware of. He says in his prayer, I am a sinner. Okay, if you're a sinner, write down your sins. Sins are specific one sin took Adam out of the Garden of Eden. One sin brought death. God is very serious about sin. There's no casualness about this. It is utterly important that you recognize, that you know, that you identify what is your sin. And that requires a clear plain definition of what sin is. And if you go to the book of First John, John will give us a very clean, clear understanding of what sin is. Let me read it for you. I'm going to read for you his definition of what sin is. In the third chapter, verse 4. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Or sin is rebellion against the law of God. And the law is the transcript of God's character. It is who he is. So sin is a deliberate choosing to break God's law. Then if you look further in the book of John, I want to read this for you. Um, look with me in First John. Um, be patient with me. I was thrown by all of this today. Um... In chapter 5 of 1 John, verse 17, all wrongdoing is sin. All wrongdoing is sin. Okay, so harmatia, sin, by definition, is not missing the mark. That's the classical Greek definition. But that's not the biblical definition. The biblical definition of sin is deliberately, voluntarily choosing the way of darkness and not the way of light. It is deliberately choosing to go the way of darkness. That's why John Wesley spoke about immaturity and said, It is not sin to be immature. He also said, Infirmity, sickness, lack of ability is not sin. Sin is a voluntarily turning against the Lord God of heaven and giving myself into that power of darkness. So, if I say I repent of my sins, I must repent of every voluntary position of giving myself over to darkness. I must choose to turn from that sin. I ask the Lord to be my Savior and my Lord. So the first step, and this week we're going to go in depth into what is repentance. We have to turn, we have to turn from all darkness. We live in the light. Then it says in the sinner's prayer, I commit my life to you. Thank you for for forgiving all my sins. Well, what if you say that in the sinner's prayer and your sins have not yet been forgiven? But you take the theological position that grace is a covering for sin, even though that is not what the scripture teaches in Titus. Titus teaches us that sin points out what the sin is and how to live righteous and how to make choices to walk in righteousness with God. Grace is never a cover for sin. Nowhere in Scripture is grace a covering for evil. But if I if I say, okay, I said I repent of my sins, I'm good to go, and now the pastor says, you have eternal life. You're saved. When in fact you're not saved... You've not turned from your sin. You're still walking in the same old, same old sin. You've not yet been made into a new person. And many of you who call yourself Christian have not been born from above. You've simply used human flesh will to try to do things that would make God happy with you. And then you've settled in that place and said, you know what? I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. This afternoon, I've got to go and sit down with a man who is dying in the hospice. He's been a casual Christian all of his life. How do I help him understand that he was lied to? I can't just let him finish out the few days he has remaining and die in his sin. We've got to turn from our sin. We've got to repent of it, specifically. Some of the old timers, and tomorrow I'll go into this, actually called people to what they called the mourner's bench. And they called men and women to that place to die out to their sin. This is another important part. When I say, Lord, this is how I've sinned, then I'm called by the Spirit of God to pray that through until I can die to that sin. It's no good to say, He's forgiven me, but the root of the sin is still in my heart and still in my life because I'm going to go right back to it again. When certain circumstances come up, I'll say, okay, God won't mind if I go back one more time. I spoke with a dear brother last night who had to confess he's gone back to his sin and he's miserable how could that happen? Because he's never died out to the root of that sin. And when we have a sinner's prayer like this that says, I repent of my sins and I open the door of my life and ask you to be my savior and my Lord. I commit my life to you. Thank you for forgiving me for my sins and giving me eternal life. He hasn't been forgiven for his sins yet. He hasn't He hasn't been granted the gift of eternal life, but he thinks he has. Take control of my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be. And I will live my life for you. Amen. No, he won't. He'll continue living his life for the root of sin that is still in his heart that he has not died out to. And he will be a miserable Christian. And he will finally settle on a cultural acceptance that he is saved. And then every Sunday when the Anglicans go to their worship service, they confess, I have sinned against you, O God. And they receive absolution, and then they receive the communion. And they think that in that foolish ritual, for that's what it is for them, it's a dead work. They think that they're somehow acceptable before God for another week. And they're not. They're under judgment. They're under the condemnation of going to hell. Because they've not repented of their sins. They've not turned from their sins. They've not died out in their heart to those sins. They've not prayed this through. They've not done the necessary work of opening their heart to the Holy Spirit, to let the Holy Spirit have full reign over every aspect of their life. Reminds me of marriage. How many times a marriage takes place and they vow to one another that they will live until death do them part. But then as they spend those first months together, decisions are made. What did I get into? How could I have married this person? This person lied to me. This person did that. This person did this. And a bitterness grows up in the heart until finally there is acrimony and bitterness and a divorce. Wait a minute. I thought they made a vow for life. Well, they did, but they never dealt with the issues of their heart that would prevent them from spending their lives together. Neither one has died out to themselves to live for each other. So it is with Jesus. If we've not died out to ourselves, how can we live for Jesus? Now, some people can die out, take a full day and just pray, and some people it will take a week of just prayer on your face before God to deal to the bottom with every aspect of that sin and the tragedy that I see over and over and over are men and women who say, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, and as... As this man believes, it's not in the prayer, but it is in his writings. Now he has the rest of his life to get this right. Well, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Do You understand, I have the rest of my life to grow up in Jesus. But when I am born from above, all sinning stops. All rebellion against God stops. And if it doesn't, I'm in serious trouble because the wages of sin are death and there is no covering of grace to cover over my rebellion that will sweep me into the kingdom of God. It just doesn't work that way in the scriptures. That's why Jesus over and over when he was on the earth in the gospel said, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, And follow me. You must deny yourself. Take up your cross. And follow me. This is the requirement. We don't have a lifetime to work out our sin issues. The sin issue, if we die in our sin, we will go to hell. The wages of sin Our death, the wages of sin. I read it for you quickly. And tomorrow we will have the time, and we'll go into this in a a much deeper way. But let me just turn quickly to it in the sixth chapter. But now that you have been set free from sin, verse 22, Now that you have been set free from sin, in other words, you're not walking in sin anymore, and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now we've got to enter into the eternal life. And we cannot enter into that eternal life if we have not been set free from sin. But now that you have been set free from sin, you've been set free from sin. How can you live in it any longer? That's the whole sixth chapter, and I urge you, read again very carefully the sixth chapter of Romans. I read it several times a day. And the Lord has shown me some things that I'm going to share with you this week that'll make your feet dance. Jesus is so kind, he's so merciful. He made a way for us to block the devil so that he could no longer ravage our lives. He broke every bondage. You know, I know people who who would say they're righteous. But there's a contentious spirit in them. There's a, a judgmental spirit in them. There's a legalistic spirit in them. All of that has to go. All of that is of darkness, not of light. So, I apologize again for today in not being able to share on YouTube and taking so much time to try to fix it, but I'll have it totally repaired by tomorrow. So come back to YouTube tomorrow and we'll be live. Now, if you'd like to help keep this broadcast on the air, and I thank many of you for helping with new studio equipment, the gift of a light that makes my face much brighter for YouTube, for all of you who have been giving and sacrificing, thank you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now you can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com nationalprayerchapel.com click up, on the upper right hand corner and there will be a a button that will take you to a page to give now let me pray Lord today's broadcast has been very difficult but the content is straight from your word and your heart and I'm praying for the victory Lord thank you Lord, bless each who has listened today in spite of the difficulties. Quicken the word in their hearts. Call them into the prayer closet to deal faithfully with you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I love you. God bless you. I pray for you. I'll talk to you soon.